1: George Rodriguez.
2: Howdy, 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 my friends. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio. The answer on this beautiful Saturday, March 28th, 2020. It is the last Saturday, the last weekend of March already. I can't believe it. I mean, it, it seems like we just started. It, we just started the year. Uh, yeah, and, and here we are, my gosh, in the third month, the finishing the third month. All right. Um, got uh, a good program as usual for you, my friends. And, uh, I hope you'll call your friends and tell them to, uh, to join us, uh, as well as share the podcast later on. Um, our guests today are, uh, first of all, we've got Mr. Bill Young, who is the Webb County, Laredo, Texas, uh, uh, Republican chairman. And uh, I reached out to Bill because, uh, of course, he lives right there on the border. And I wanted him to tell us uh, what uh, changes, what is going on at the border when we've got this health crisis going on. We've heard a lot and we'll be reporting a little bit about how even Mexico has closed down the border for southbound traffic. For people going to Mexico, they've shut it down. So maybe they'll help us to build the wall after all. Uh, it was also, we're going to be talking with a very good friend of mine, uh, Dr. Roger Mutsagemba. and Dr. Mutsugemba, uh, is going to talk to us about telemedicine. Now this is telemedicine is something very, very new. And, uh, right now, particularly since many of us cannot leave the house, uh, under threat of martial law, (laughs) many of us cannot leave the house, uh, or shouldn't be leaving the house. Uh, a a, uh, telemedicine is a way that we can be, uh, we can talk to a, do- a doctor. He's going to talk to us all about telemedicine, how it works and how it can benefit us. Uh, now that we're homebound right now, in case, uh, we've got, uh, uh, some issue other than just, uh, other than the, uh, the very serious one of the, of the virus. But, um, uh, Roger has, uh, a, uh, he is, he is one of the he was one of the uh, uh, pioneers in telemedicine. So uh, I got him to uh, to please talk to us, explain how it works, etc., etc. Finally, our third guest today is Mr. Is is, is uh, former sheriff Richard Mack. Richard Mack is another very, very good friend of mine. Um, fellow BYU uh, alum. Ah had to pit, throw that in <laughs> uh, Richard Mack. Uh, Is going to talk to us about constitutional issues that we're facing during this uh, health crisis and uh, these constitutional issues my friends just cannot be uh, ignored. We had a situation here in San Antonio on uh, Thursday. Uh, Actually, I believe it was on Wednesday, but there was a, a minister that held a meeting uh, that went ahead and held a meeting. It was a uh, regular scheduled meeting that apparently he has with his, with his followers. And uh, it's a religious meeting. Uh, They get together Wednesday evenings, apparently. And um, the uh, city of San Antonio and the County of bear here in San Antonio, both have uh, placed uh, restrictions on gatherings and whatnot. And of course there were gathering. I mean, there were, uh, more than the allotted number of people that uh, that uh, the uh, government, that the local government wanted, uh, there were over ten people at this uh, at this revival at this uh, church meeting, and uh, you know he received warnings from the uh, from the county government, from the local government, as well as from the from the uh, city uh, uh, the city government. The question is, can they really truly do anything about it? And uh, several uh, scholars, several legal scholars that were asked about this situation clearly said that there is nothing that they can really do about it, that if they really tried to shut the man, the, this, this uh, individual down, uh, in, in essence, what they would be doing is preventing a, a, uh, a religious service from occurring, which is clearly, clearly uh, a violation of the First Amendment. So uh, you know, we've got lots of uh, mayors, most of them Democrats. In fact, I think all of them are. Lots of mayors and county officials that are, uh, you know, in my opinion, violating this law uh, and, and telling people that they cannot—not that they shouldn't, not that they must not, no, that they can't—and some of them are threatening under penalty of uh, uh, of jail time and whatnot. I mean, you know, some of these uh, some of these folks have really, really gone overboard. Uh, so, uh, Richard Mack, I asked him to uh, come on because, uh, he is involved with what is called the constitutional sheriff's, uh, association. And, uh, he's going to talk to us about, uh, you know, the, this, uh, these uh, challenges to the, to, uh, our freedoms that are going on uh, during this, this crisis, you know, this, uh, we, we've heard Rahm Manuel, the, uh, Democrat, that was the, uh, the, the uh, chief of staff for Obama one time say that uh, Democrats should never that a, a crisis should never go to waste, that they should use it for political purposes. Well, they are. And uh, it, it, they are. And in the process of doing that, they are reducing my friends. And I'll use that word. They are reducing. They are limiting freedoms. So uh, we need to be conscious of that. Um, so once again, Bill Young, Webb County uh, Republican chairman. Dr. Raji Mutsugemba is going to be talking to us about uh, telemedicine. And um, our final guest is going to be uh, former Sheriff uh, Richard Mack. And uh, so stick around for that. Uh, Let's go to some news items real quick uh, related to uh, illegal immigration, my friends, because uh, as well as the COVID, the the whole COVID uh, health crisis. Uh, One of the very, very interesting things, my friends, to me is how the media has been so, the, the mainstream media is being so doggone pessimistic, so doggone negative during this. You know, uh, the president, in, in my opinion, the president is being very, very upbeat and uh, very optimistic. That is his role, my friends. That is his role. We need a, uh, we need a, a leader who's going to be up there, who's not going to be talking doom and gloom, but who's going to be giving us hope for the future. However, every time that he talks about that, every time that he says something hopeful, something positive, he is immediately just attacked by the uh, fake news, uh, who are who are doing nothing but spreading pessimism, who are spreading negative uh, feelings, negative thinking. Uh, you know, these people. These people. The, this. They are doing everything to undermine the hope. And uh, and faith of people uh, in this country. They are doing everything possible. The other aspect of it is that it is the amount of of negative lying. I'll say that negative spin. Uh, we had this situation where uh, this individual in Phoenix, Arizona, took uh, on his own volition on his own he took some some uh, uh some kind of of drug or uh chemical uh that was for swimming pools even and uh first of all he it, it was the wrong kind of chemical it was the wrong kind of drug but he took thought that that's the kind of drug it was it, it was supposed to be and then he ingested it and he died and his his wife, of course, blamed President Trump, and of course, the, the the media jumped on it immediately. I mean, this is the insanity, my friends. President Trump doesn't didn't tell anybody any anybody, anybody to take a specific type of drug or anything. They he said that they were hopeful. That was his words, hopeful. But uh, you know, uh, uh, this these negative fake news reporters and editors are so anxious to undermine him that they will spin anything and everything they can. The other thing is this whole situation about uh, the, the, the uh, calling the virus Chinese, my friends, it came from China. It came from China. And now there's this whole issue about uh, a couple of the uh, universities in California issued a statement that, uh, that uh, to refer to this to the virus, as uh, Chinese, as Asian, as anything like that was forbidden on the campus, forbidden on the campus. Let me tell you, my friends, let me tell you, the fact of the matter is that all cultures are not equal. I'm sorry. All cultures are not equal. Some nations have, have greater uh, progressed further and more than other nations because of the culture that uh, is endemic to their to their uh, to their uh, people to the people that they uh, of their nation you know t- a classic example afghanistan afghanistan has been around for how many years how many centuries and look at it you know it is not the fault of the united states that some of these nations are backward and that's the word that i will use backward that they are not progressive okay It is not the fault of the United States. And sometimes because these nations are backward, because they have not progressed in hygiene, there are diseases that bloom, that grow there. And then they're then brought, transferred to the Western societies, i.e. to the United States. And this is another reason why we need to to, uh, be careful in our screening of immigrants. Not to mention that we've got to be honest about the idea that all cultures are, e- are, are equal. They're not. They're, they, I, I'm sorry. They're not. Very, very interesting situation that occurred also on, on Thursday uh, was that Nicolas uh, Maduro, the president, the socialist leader of Venezuela, he and several of his uh, key aides were uh, indicted uh, and they've been charged with narco-terrorism. Because, uh, get this, get, this is what they were planning. This is what they were planning. They were planning, uh, or they are planning, they still are, I'm sure, uh, how to work with the communist uh, guerrillas in Colombia to manufacture and grow drugs that they can then import into the United States and destabilize the society. Now, that's already happening, my friends. That's already happening with the uh, Mexican cartels. The Mexican cartels are already doing that. The Mexican cartels are uh, are are undermining our society with their drugs, powerful drugs, fentanyl, for example. And uh, in my opinion, the the Mexican cartels should be declared uh, narco terrorists as well. I mean, they should. Uh, Finally, my friends, uh, there is the situation uh, regarding the death of another uh, alien, another illegal alien under uh, ICE custody. This is the 10th one, uh, during the uh, fiscal 2020 year, uh, in, uh, 20 in 2019 during the entire fiscal year, uh, eight died. So there are quite a few that were, you know, a, a 10 of them and the, uh, and and the leftist media, the, the pro open borders groups, they are all having an absolute, uh, meltdown over this, a conniption fit over this because uh, they feel first of all, that, uh, because of the COVID, the COVID virus, the, uh, the, the, folks in detention should be released. Picture that, you know, just like a lot of these, uh, liberal, uh, sheriffs are releasing the, uh, the inmates. Well, they believe the same thing should happen. Yeah. This, this, this situation, my friends is, is really, really sad. We should also think about the poor, uh, border patrol agents and, uh, The police officers and firefighters who are having to deal firsthand with people that have crossed the border illegally and they don't know the the, the health condition of these folks. They don't know. Here's an idea. Let's close the border. Let's close the border, my friends. Let's completely close the border and anybody that crosses. Let's deport them. Let's deport them until we get this virus under control. Uh, the World Health Organization is claiming that um, that uh, the United States has the highest infection rate anyway. So why do they want to come here? Why do you want to come here? Let's shut the border down. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on KLUP 9:30 AM radio. The answer will be right back with our first guest. Stay tuned. Don't go away.
1: You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez El Conservador and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you are interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Com. El conservador thank you for your support keep the fire of freedom burning
2: All right folks once again George Rodriguez El conservador talking to you from KLUP 9:30 a.m. radio the answer and uh, we've got our very good friend uh, Mr. Bill Young who is the uh, Webb County uh, Republican chairman in uh, Laredo Texas. And, uh, which, uh, for many of you might know, uh, that it's right there on the border. And I wanted to reach out to, uh, to him and ask, uh, Bill to please tell us, um, how they are faring on this issue during this, uh, coronavirus crisis that we're going through. What, uh, what's going on in this border town that is so often, um, we hear about, uh, the illegal alien immigration and, uh, the uh, cartel crime, et cetera, et cetera. Not to mention that Laredo, I believe, is the largest land uh, point of entry for trade. And uh, so how is uh, this, the, the community and the people being, uh, how are they being impacted during this health crisis? Bill, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking time to be with us. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, what you're experiencing there. What's going on?
3: Well, thank you for having me on the show. Um, the city really, is, we're, we're pretty much locked down in a lot of ways. The only people crossing the, able to cross the bridge right now are for medical, uh, education, and just, you know, necessities that you have to have. There has to be a reason for you crossing the bridge. Um, that doesn't include you can't come just to visit family or friends or anything like that. Uh, those visas don't won't let you in right now, but the trade is continuing. All the tractor trailers and stuff are coming in. Everything else is going fine. All the um, all the the aduanas are working, and uh, U.S. Customs is working. So the city's really in a lot better shape than you would think it would be. Our HEB stores used to be vacant, but now that Mexico's been stopped from coming in, most of the shelves are being restocked, and it's not it's not crowded at HEB anymore. Wow. So that, that shows you the difference in, in the, how many people cross every day from Laredo to Laredo.
2: Yeah, it is substantial, I would imagine. The uh, issue of, um, of illegal aliens crossing as well, the illegal immigration as well as the, the cartels, uh, and the crime, Is that, uh, has that tapered off any, or do you know?
3: It's tapered off at least 50% from what I understand.
2: Wow, my gosh. Incredible. So uh, that, that much of a drop in the illegal alien uh, crossing. What about, um, what about the issue of people going to the other side, into Mexico? Is there any hesitancy other than the crime that we keep rehearing about? Is there hesitancy in going across?
3: Yes, it's still the same. Going across is uh, pretty much the same as it is in going coming to come into Laredo from Mexico. Wow! They don't want any visitation or anything. They they have it if you have family members and stuff, or if you're a citizen of Mexico, you can go back in. Gotcha. if it's a U.S. citizen, they they give them. You have to let them in. You can't
4: keep them out. And
2: and, and what about the fear of the virus spreading? Um, because we've you know we do know that. Um, that folks that have crossed the border illegally and legally in many cases, but a lot of folks that have crossed illegally, there was a lot of fear, particularly among the border patrol and the folks that, um, that house these folks temporarily that, uh, they were bringing in diseases. Like I remember a couple of years ago, it was mumps and measles, uh, among the kids. Is there any, uh, concern regarding, uh, the virus being brought, uh, across the border by, uh, illegal folks or it's sneaking across with, with folks.
3: Oh, uh, it's very, they're, they're very much looking at it because they're shipping. If they catch you crossing illegal, they send you back to your country of origin right away. You don't go to detention center. You don't go to another stuff. They're not holding them in detention centers for fear that the, that the virus will be spread in the detention centers.
2: Wow. You're kidding. I, I didn't know that.
3: That's, that's the law that I That's the way I understand the law is working right now. After talking to some of my cohorts that used to work with – since I used to work at Customs and Border Protection, I've
2: talked to them. Wow. Well, you know, that would be be very, very uh, – that would be very revolutionary compared to what we've been doing in the past. So, uh, now, since you're the Republican County Chairman, do you think that this situation is affecting uh, the election and the campaigns? I mean, do you think that it will have – an election, uh, a, a, an election uh, impact come do- November.
3: Definitely, especially with the way that the Democrats are holding up the um, stimulus bill that the president wanted to pass through the Senate. They voted again today to deny it. In other words, we were supposed to get $1,200 checks to every person in the United States, every adult, and then the children also and stuff. They're, they're trying to support the families, give them some family support to pay their bills. Because everybody's having to work at home. And that really hampers people making money to pay their bills and stuff and to pay their food and their medicines. So, And the Democrats are holding it all up. For what reason? I don't know, except for the fact that they want a recession, because that might be the only way they can beat Trump.
2: It's all to defeat Trump. Everything they're doing is to defeat Trump. Incredible, incredible. It really, really is is shocking. Uh, Tell me about... um, This situation that we recently had in the runoff uh, or in the uh, uh, in the uh, in the primary um, with conservative, a a moderate Democrat, Henry Cuellar, the congressman, being challenged by a radical leftist. Uh, How did that play out?
3: Well, Henry won, but not by very much. Mr. Cuellar and I are pretty good friends. I've known him all my life. Um, actually I've known him all his life. I'm probably older than him. But um, he was he was he was scared by it. I mean, this is a socialist who was sent down from New York by Soros to defeat him. And all the money came in from California and New York, it didn't come from Laredo, it didn't come from this area. San Antonio actually carried her. Wow. Um, but the place that really put Henry over was Starr County, mm. down the border. So that tells you that the Latinos were really voting for uh, a conservative. Most Latinos that I know and that I work with all the time are very conservative people. So I think in the election, it's going to affect the Democrats really hard when
2: Trump's just going to carry the border region. The uh, the situation with again getting back to the to the uh, health crisis that we have, uh, do you see any kind of of long term implication for the Laredo area for the border because uh, Laredo is probably one of the one of the larger if not uh, the largest uh, uh, city right here sitting on the border next to next to San Antonio. Uh, do you see any long term impact from the health crisis? Uh, if it, uh, if it goes longer than eight, ten ten weeks, like they've been talking.
3: Well, I do see, I do see a problem. Of course, Laredo is the largest port of entry into the United States. Now we wow. passed Los Angeles and everybody else earlier this year. And now we'll really be a lot more because the other countries aren't China and stuff aren't shipping a lot to the United States. Um, I think that I can still go to H-E-B and buy Corona so that will take care of the virus. But, uh, <laughs> you can go buy a case of Corona and tell everybody i will bring you a case of Corona and they'll have a heart attack. But uh, the whole thing is, I just don't think it'll really affect the, us that, that long. Because once we get past the, the upper echelon of it where it starts going down, when, then we will have an ability to strike back really quick the businesses and stuff will all open up and everything will be back to normal it just takes it's going to take some time it's just like it took time for china to i feel sorry for the european countries which didn't put a, a travel um, deal in where they could stop everybody from coming to their countries like trump did right away with china as soon as he found out that's why saved us a lot i i mean but i still see pictures of kids going to spring break and everybody having fun on the beaches and stuff South Padre was open during this crisis I mean what are these cities thinking? all they're worried about is getting their dollars
4: and that's wrong
2: yeah yeah I, it really really I mean when you think of only the economy uh, over the uh, over well even your personal health I mean you know these kids down there playing playing in the you know in the, in the ocean life. yeah right. You know, it's uh, it's dangerous. Bill, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. Um, we uh, we got to get you back on so you can give us a, another report about what's going on. Give us an update of uh, of any changes or anything that might be going on. Uh, once again, we've been talking with Mister uh, Bill Young, who is uh, the Republican Party Chairman in Webb County, which is Laredo, Texas, right on the border. Bill, thank you very much for taking time to be with us.
0: Thank you for having me, George. I really
2: appreciate it. Well, we'll get you back on again soon, buddy. Thank you.
3: Anytime, Randy.
2: Look me up. You got it. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Howdy, howdy, howdy. And my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP, 930 AM Radio, The Answer. And uh, we've got uh, my very, very good friend, Dr. Roger Mutzagemba. And, uh, you know, I-, I love to brag about, uh, about Dr. Mutzagemba because uh, he grew up in our, uh, in our church on the south side of town here in San Antonio, went to... Uh, our high school uh, was a neighborhood kid, and I, I mean, I, I can't say enough things, good things about him. Now here, he's, here he is as a doctor. So I reached out to him because uh, we've had him on the show before talking about other stuff, but I wanted to get him to uh, talk to us about telemedicine. We've got uh, the situation now uh, here in San Antonio and in many other communities. Houston is going to do it today, to, this evening, I believe where, uh, literally communities are being locked down and, um, people are going to have to stay in their, in their homes. Well, telemedicine is something new and, uh, it, uh, offers us uh, an opportunity to, uh, to look after ourselves in this crisis. And, uh, I wanted to get, uh, Roger, since he's got a program, similar program to explain to us what telemedicine is, how it works. Uh, and, uh, and tell us a little bit about his program. So, Roger, thank you for being with us. Welcome to the show. Tell us what is telemedicine.
0: Uh, George, thanks
4: so much for having me on, and thanks for the warm introduction. Um, I love to talk about telemedicine. I I helped start a telemedicine company in 2004, so I'm pretty well familiar with it. And that company is now and that company now is one of the biggest. Um, but then. I'm also really glad that you had me come on and talk about this, because um, a couple of weeks ago, I realized that there are a lot of people out there that are um, scared to go to the doctor um, because of what they might catch there, uh, you know,
2: like COVID-19.
4: Uh, yes. um, so telemedicine has been in the news a lot, and people don't know what it is and don't know how to access it. So what? We've heard telehealth, that's a broad term to describe um, telemedicine, both in a clinical way and maybe a non-clinical way. Telemedicine is part of telehealth, but telemedicine deals with just the clinical aspect of it. And in its simplest form, all it is is just a connection between you and the doctor where you're not in the same place at the same time. So, that connection could be done through technology, even sometimes through your phone. Um, Now, in the old days, before we had technology, what it was was just you call your doctor and he talks to you on the phone and we'll take care of you if he can that way. So, as telemedicine came to be, um, we started to get a little more sophisticated with it. And so... Telemedicine companies could have you register and store your uh, information and create a legitimate medical record so um, the doctor on the other end of the technology has access to your history, your medicines, and those kind of things. So um, that's kind of a high-level view of what telemedicine is.
2: And it really, really becomes very important, uh, particularly in this in this period, uh, when we're, I mean, when there's so many doggone rumors running around, like on Facebook. I mean, social media uh, really helps with the panicking sometimes because um, uh, a lot of folks are, you know, reading stuff that is patently just not true. And with telemedicine, you could they could uh, call a doctor and find out, you know some information that's accurate. Could they not?
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, A friend of mine called me last week and he was worried about his daughter who lives in New York and she had what she thought was a urinary tract infection, but she was terrified to go to the urgent care of the, the coronavirus and what we could do. Well, I'm not, I'm licensed in many states, but not in New York. So I had her call a company that I work with called Dial Care. She she went online, she registered, she had a consult there. The doctor took care of her. Um, So that's an example of how it can work. And then I had another lady that I work with in the hospital. Uh, She was telling me about her son that lived in Colorado, who was. Uh, He was afraid to go to the the doctor or the urgent care. Um, So she asked me what we could do. And I said, well, do you have insurance? And she said, yes. I said, is he on your plan? She said, yes. I said, let's go look at your card. So we looked at her insurance card. I turned it over on the back. It said MD Live. Well, MD Live is a telemedicine company. So I told her, go have your son call this number. And uh, he'll talk to a doctor. Doctor will find out what's going on, and if possible, they'll take care of it that way. So, uh, people already have uh, a telemedicine solution as part of their insurance plan.
2: They just don't know it, huh?
4: Right, like this lady just didn't know it.
2: Wow, gosh, I'll have to, you know, I'll have to double check to see about my insurance about that. Mm-hmm. Now, again. Uh, there are reality. Uh, the The reality is that there are some limitations on it. Correct. I mean, you're not going to be able to perform uh, a, uh, uh, a, a some type of, of surgery over the phone through telemedicine. But it certainly helps uh, to uh, be able to uh, talk to somebody, uh, to a doctor that can tell you uh, what uh, you know, what is ailing you, and you know, at least give you uh, some comfort. Right.
0: Absolutely. Sometimes uh, when
4: we do these telemedicine consults, we're just answering questions. And these days, there are a lot of questions out there about: uh, I have a cough, I have a fever, do I have coronavirus? You know. So, if you have a telemedicine connection, you can you can go there and they can talk to you about it and give you some comfort, or or have you go to the next level of
2: care. Wow. In, in- very, very, you know, and that is very, very comforting. Now, uh, tell us about uh, uh, about your uh, your organization, uh, because uh, we want to make sure that po- folks know who to do, go to or where they can go to get additional information. And since we've got you, tell us about your organization. Thank you.
4: So I have a clinic called Direct Med Clinic and. It works under the model of what we call direct primary care, and so we have the tools already in place to do what we call virtual care. Virtual care is kind of like the next level of telemedicine, where if you call the number on the back of your insurance card or uh, go do a retail telemedicine consult like the lady in New York, you'll talk to a doctor that hasn't seen you, that doesn't know you. They're just kind of looking at your history that you've entered there. But when you are a member of Direct Med Clinic, we know your history, and we give you tools like a HIPAA-compliant secure app that you can reach us through, we can reach out to you through, and we can do virtual visits that way, whether it's talking, texting, uploading pictures back and forth, or doing a video consult. Uh, In fact, I just did a video consult with a lady that needed a refill a little while ago that way, Um, and she was in Gonzales, and I was in San Antonio, so uh, the reach is wonderful, and the convenience is great, so the difference between what you might have on your insurance card and what we do is, is that we're still your doctor. We've seen you face to face. We know your history and we can do much more that way because we know you. The docs um, that don't know you are a little bit
2: more limited from that aspect. Um, which makes perfect sense, which makes perfect sense. I mean, if you were, right. if your own, if your own doctor knows, you know, your history and knows you personally, uh, well, you know, they can, they can give you a, a much better cons- consultation than somebody that, uh, you know, that you're talking to uh, over the phone, uh, you know, remotely. I mean, it just, you know. Right. It makes sense. So, how can people uh, read more or contact you if they want to uh, join your organization?
4: Okay, it's called Direct Med Clinic. If you Google that or you go to directmedclinic.com, you can find us there. Um, and uh, you can learn a little bit more about. Uh, virtual care and telemedicine and also direct primary care which is not insurance but it's access to a doctor uh-huh i'm, I'm very excited to ha- uh, present this kind of model to the folks in san antonio and texas
2: excellent so it's ac- it's actual access to a doctor not just uh not just talking on the phone to uh to some medical practitioner or something like that No, a little different than that. So when,
4: when people pay an insurance premium, they're paying for insurance. And insurance is not access to a doctor. When you get a membership to direct med clinic, you pay a membership fee to the clinic, which is less than $2 a day. And then when you need a doctor, we're there for you. And we don't go through your insurance. In fact, you don't have to have insurance. Um, to To have a doctor like like us in our clinic.
2: Wow, excellent. Well, Dr. Matsugimba, thank you very, very much for being with us. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add to our to our conversation?
0: Yeah, I, I just hope that the people that are listening
4: will know that if they need to see a doctor or talk to a doctor. not to put it off, to try to reach out through telemedicine if they're scared to go in for a visit. Um, We can can do a consult with them. Just call my my clinic or go to the website and get the number. We can take care of you. I just don't want anybody out there to be like my friend's daughter in New York that needed to see a doctor but dared to go in.
2: We should be afraid to go to Walmart at this point. Yeah, that's another story. Oh, thank you very, very much once again, my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas on KLUP 9:30 AM Radio, the answer.
1: Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez, El Conservador and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you're interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, Please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning.
2: Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio. The Answer here in San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And uh, we've got uh, a very good friend of mine Uh, former sheriff, uh, Richard Mack, although we still call him Sheriff Mack. And uh, he uh, I reached out to him because he is involved with a group called uh, Constitutional Sheriffs. And I wanted to chat with him because, my friends, we have got a lot of uh, questions regarding what is going on right now with these these executive orders etc. etc. that are going on. So, What I wanted to do is get uh, the sheriff and chat with him and tell us uh, from his perspective, what is going on? Does he what does he think about this situation? So, Sheriff Mack, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking time to be with us. Um, Tell us. uh, Tell me, what do you think? I mean, uh, first of all, what's the role of a sheriff? Because I don't think a lot of folks understand what a sheriff is all about. And then secondly, uh, let's talk about uh, this constitutionality of staying at home and not congregating. So, so what is a sheriff supposed to do?
0: Well, uh, if you look at the history of the sheriff, it goes back over a thousand years, way before America was even uh, a, a, gl- a gleam in the founding father's eye. I mean, it, it goes way back to old uh, Anglo-Saxon law uh, back w- to the time of uh, pretty close to the Magna Carta time, which was the year 1215. Uh, so it, it has a, a very strong historical background. And the sheriff, a thousand years ago, was pretty much what the sheriff is today. He was the conservator of the peace. He was the people's ultimate protector. He was the enforcer of the law and ultimately you have to you have to decide what law is supreme what law supersedes all other laws and obviously that's a lead-in question for me uh, to anybody else besides you probably that might not know the answer uh, because the answer is first and foremost god's law god's law supersedes all man's law what the founders tried to do was to put god's law into the constitution and the declaration of independence to where we're actually protecting that which we all whether you believe in god or not in fact the founders made that clear in the declaration of independence you don't really even have to believe in god you have to believe in nature or nature's law or divine providence and and that was up to us to decide that uh although the founders were extremely uh, religious some people try to say they were not but they all very much were uh, even in their own right some of them disagreed with each other on some biblical principles but you still have to go back to those fundamental principles the basics of the principles that the founders were trying to apply and so, first and foremost, the Constitution is the supreme law of the land right after Biblical law. And they go hand in hand. Supposed to, According to the Constitution, we were all supposed to pretty much self-govern. That individual liberty is mine. I was born with it. And the Constitution was designed to protect those innate rights that we were born with. The sheriff, on the other hand, has been hired by the people, and the people are the only boss the sheriff has. He does not report to the county attorney, to the county judge, uh, to the county commissioners. He works with all of those folks, but he does not answer to them. They cannot tell him what to do. Only the voters uh, supervise uh, the sheriff. And within that employment that he has with the people of his county, he has promised them that he would enforce, uphold, defend, protect, and preserve the United States Constitution.
2: Gotcha. Now, so that brings us to the next question then. The next question is related to this situation that we've got right now, where we've got Local jurisdictions, well, even state jurisdictions, some governors as well, like in California and in New York, uh, prohibiting in the name of public safety, in the name of uh, not spreading the uh, the virus, uh, telling folks that they cannot congregate, they cannot meet. I mean, it's uh, obviously interfering with business, uh, that uh, they uh, cannot, uh, uh, I mean, just the whole idea of, uh, of people being about, uh, in, in a free society has been curtailed, uh, in that aspect of it, what role, I mean, do the, does the sheriff play as well as this whole idea of releasing prisoners, uh, from jails in the name of public safety, because they might get sick in the jail or in the prison. So, uh, where does the, where does a sheriff fall in this whole matter? Well, you know, um, I mean, is he going to enforce that their 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 edicts?
0: Well, yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, I, f- I find it strange because uh, releasing prisoners uh, puts all of us back into harm's way. I thought this whole thing was to make sure that we're not in harm's way.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: So uh, I don't quite understand that, uh, but I, I can go along with. Uh, some prisoners being sent home, some inmates being sent home, some detainees being sent home, um, because the judges do it all the time. The judges put people back on the streets as soon as they walk in uh, with the police. uh, As soon as the handcuffs are taken off, the judges release them. I don't mind some of the people going home, like somebody who um, had a DUI or somebody who had a mere possession of marijuana or, or any other uh, schedule one drugs, for that matter. Um, I really have uh, changed my mind about the drug war. I think the drug war is pretty much a farce, and it has benefited our country not one iota. And and so uh, I can understand maybe some of the simpler crimes of people going home, but I can't understand others. And, and so the sheriff is really uh, taking a lot upon himself. By doing that, because if one of those inmates commits another crime and hurts another person, the county is going to buy that and the sheriff's going to buy it. And in other words, they're going to get sued and they're going to get and they'll lose that for him to capriciously just release people because of some emergency with with uh, the coronavirus. George, where would all the emergencies end if we can do anything
2: we want? amid some kind of emergency exactly exactly and who de- who determines what an emergency is i mean
0: right it's... exactly and and so you know i sued the federal government and back in 1994 when i was sheriff of graham county arizona i won a case at the united states supreme court in 1997 and scalia justice scalia uh, god rest his soul um actually wrote the decision and in it he said but the Constitution protects us from our own best intentions.
2: Very well put. That's
0: a, that's a huge principle here, and it applies to what's going on today. And then he went on and he said it protects us from co- a Congress or government concentrating power in one location as an expedient solution to the Crisis of the Day.
2: Excellent. Wow. Fantastic.
0: I'm telling you, it's one of the best decisions ever written, and one that most people ignore. I'm still really put out with sheriffs across this country because most of them have never read it. The only time in U.S. history where a handful of sheriffs, including one from Texas, Valverde County, uh, Sheriff J.R. uh, God rest his soul, Also, uh, J.R. Cook joined me in this lawsuit, uh, and he won his lawsuit at the Fifth Circuit with Sheriff Romero uh, from Louisiana at the uh, Fifth Circuit Court in New Orleans. And so this is a huge time where sheriffs should be getting on board and saying, hey, what was this case about? But they're so wrapped up in their own local affairs that very few of them take the time to really find out what their job is and that case really centered on the power and the autonomy and the independence of the sheriff because he represents the independence of his county and that represents the independence of that state
2: excellent wow you know like like the saying says that the uh, road to hell is paved with good intentions Apparently, that's exactly what uh, what uh, Justice Scalia was saying in this thing.
0: He was, and, and uh, he said it in such a powerful, lawful uh, uh, manner and jargon that I think it should be uh, the next big, uh, you know, give me liberty or give me death thing, you know, kind of thing, but the Constitution protects us from our own best intentions.
2: I love that that should be taught in every uh high school class that's high class that is fantastic sheriff mac thank you for we, we need to uh conclude but thank you very very much for taking time to be with us we got to get you back on because i'd like to pick your brain on the issue of social justice <laughs> whatever that means and uh however that plays out because uh you know i uh, i'd be very very interesting and interested in finding out uh, your perspective on that but one
0: I'll say right before we end this Uh, There's nowhere in the Constitution That you get to violate the Constitution Because there's some sort of emergency or crisis We can work this out together But don't take away my liberty While you're pretending to take care of me
2: Ah, excellent Very good That's very true That's very, very true Folks, we've been talking with uh, Former Sheriff uh, Richard Mack From Arizona And uh, we want to get him back on the show again. Thank you very much for spending time with us, Sheriff. Uh, We'll talk to you again soon. Anytime. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer.
1: Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez, El Conservador, and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you're interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning.